Hello, and welcome to Dartmouth. This is a podcast where we explore some of the strange, peculiar, and often darker stories that surround the histories of Chibuktuk in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. My name is Jess, and in this episode, Joanne and Shannon discuss Brookhouse. Hello, my name is Joanne Peppers, and I am the manager curator at the Dartmouth Heritage Museum. Today, I'm going to share the story of Brookhouse and the story of Margaret Floyer, or more accurately, the unknown story of Margaret Floyer, because we know very little about her. We have a black and white photo in our collection. It's of a large white house with three people staring at it. Uh, There's typewriting below it that says Historic Brook House at Woodlawn near Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, built 1800. There's also a painting in Evergreen House that shows the large white home known as Brook House with presumably Margaret Floyer standing in the doorway. This house was lived in for nearly 30 years by Margaret Floyer until her death in 1814, and little is known about Margaret. To make her story more intriguing is the fact that she lived there from 1793 till 1814 with a man by the name of Monsieur Danceville. He was the governor of St. Pierre, uh, who was in Nova Scotia on parole at the time. So a little bit about Monsieur Danceville. We'll talk about him a bit later. He's an interesting character uh, that only adds to the intrigue about the story of Margaret Floyer. Margaret was born to Captain William Floyer and Frances Esco. She was uh, from a very affluent and prominent family in England. Sometime in the 1780s, Margaret left England with her brother, Lieutenant William Floyer, and arrived in Dartmouth. They built a house near Old Preston Road, now known uh, as the community of Woodlawn, where they resided together. The Floyers did have servants coming in and out of the house, but aside from the staff, uh, there was very little interaction with the community. It is described by historians as exile. Uh, Nothing is really known about why Margaret Floyer came to Dartmouth or why she lived such a solitary life. Most of the information about Miss Floyer comes from um, a woman by the name of Mary Lawson. In Lawson's book called History of the Townships of Dartmouth, Preston, and Lawrencetown, Margaret Floyer is described as a refined intellectual woman with a sweet, sad face, gentle and winning address, very reticent and quiet, but exceedingly courteous to all who knew her. William Floyer, Lieutenant William Floyer, left Dartmouth sometime after 1795 to join his regiment in Jamaica. It was a surprise to the community that Miss Floyer did not join him. Nobody was sure why she didn't. No reasons were given when asked, which seems pretty common when it comes to Miss Floyer. We do know that servants were employed at the house and that they were basically the only company Miss Floyer had. The marital status of Miss Floyer is also a bit of a mystery. Despite always being referred to as Miss Floyer, uh, on a deed from August 1786, she's described as a widow. On another deed from January 2nd, 1789, the whole land that they lived on was mortgaged to Lieutenant Floyer and Margaret Floyer, who was described as a single woman. 
However, after that, she is again listed as a widow on mortgage documents. Community members at the time suspected that William was her lover and not her brother, uh, but historical records seem to support him being her brother. Of course, when you're in a small community, when you're living with a man uh, and your origins are very unknown, speculation ensues, and of course it became a rumor that uh, William and Margaret were in fact lovers, perhaps exiled to Nova Scotia uh, by the family for whatever reasons, insert your speculations here sort of deal. So what do we know about William, the brother? Uh, We know that he was a lieutenant in the 1st Battalion of His Majesty's 60th or Royal American Regiment of Foot, uh, his commission being dated the 17th of March, 1779. Uh, The lieutenant then purchased land from Samuel King uh, on the southern side of the old Preston Road and then 27 acres on the opposite side of the road after coming to Dartmouth with his sister. So as I mentioned before, another interesting aspect of her story, Miss Floyer's story, is the male lodger that she was residing with from 1793 to 1814. After St. Pierre was taken by the British, Monsieur Danceville, the governor, was transported to Halifax, and after coming across her cottage, he asked to live with her, and she said yes. So in 1793, St. Pierre was taken by the British, and a number of the inhabitants were brought to Halifax, and among them were the governor of the island, Monsieur Danceville. Uh, St. Pierre was captured uh, on the 20th of June, and around that time, a frigate from that area arrived in Halifax uh, with about 500 to 600 passengers, uh, former residents of St. Pierre. And Monsieur Danceville, the governor, uh, was one of those people, and he was actually granted liberty to walk around town. He wasn't what you would think of as your typical um, prisoner of war kind of thing. Uh, He was allowed to walk around. He was actually given a pension from the British government and was known to be loyal to the uh, regency of France at the time. Now, we're talking about the time of the Napoleonic War. He was offered the opportunity to go back to France, but since Napoleon was reigning at the time, he did not want to go back while he was there. Uh, So he decided to remain uh, on parole in the Dartmouth area, living in that little cottage with Miss Margaret Floyer. So the original cottage that Margaret lived in uh, burned down during a drought. It also consumed a few other houses in the area. Uh, Soon after that, Monsieur Danceville uh, built a larger home on the property, and since he did not know how long he would be there uh, and return to France, he was okay with building this large home. And that was the home that would become known as Governor's House or Brook House. And they actually lived together until 1814 when Monsieur Danceville returned to France. Danceville, like I said, was known as being loyal to the royals and was quite excited when the news of Napoleon's defeat reached Nova Scotia. He was said to have donned his uniform and gone walking down the road proclaiming, Vive la France! So, Monsieur Danceville leaves after living with Margaret for about 20 years. During that time, he contributed greatly to building these wonderful gardens and bridges across brooks and a frog pond, and they spent a lot of their time actually gardening together. 
And Margaret was known in the community for wandering around the roads and in her gardens, picking flowers, tending to gardening uh, activities, often carrying a book. She was known to enjoy reading as a pastime, uh, but very solitary, didn't put herself out there in the community very much. Uh, she would talk to people uh, in a very light, casual conversation. Uh, she would, you know, talk to them, converse. Uh, so she was known as a friendly person, but she rarely invited people into her home and, like I said, lived a very solitary life. So not long after the departure of Governor Donceville, she became quite ill uh, with a disease that kind of affected her face and her head. Um, she, it was kind of um, a rash type thing uh, that could affect you quite greatly and even cause death in those days uh, by infection. She was so quiet and uncommunicative that even her servants were not aware of her serious illness until it was too late to help her, to help her out. So going into her room one morning, they found her unconscious. Medical aid was procured. A kind of nursing and womanly sympathy was given to her. And in those days, uh, it was there wasn't much they could do for her. So with a few days passing, she did not uh, resume consciousness and passed away on December 8th, 1815. So not barely a year after um, her, her cohabitator, Monsieur Danceville, left. Uh, she's buried at Woodlawn Cemetery now, and her gravesite is quite unique there. It's a flat slab that lays on, um, the, on her gravesite. Her death was announced to her family uh, through the agent that had given her her monthly pension, uh, and by Sir John Wentworth, who was living in Halifax at the time. Sir John Wentworth was the former governor of Nova Scotia. Uh, so the family um, arranged to have her stone put uh, on her grave at Woodlawn Cemetery. Uh, but that is all that really came of her story. Um, she's buried close to her home where she spent her lonely life. And... Uh, the mystery remains of who Margaret Floyer really was and what she was doing in Halifax or in Dartmouth at the time. So what actually happened to Brook House, you might be wondering. Uh, it was later used as a boarding school where Dr. T.B. Aikens was a student. Honorable Michael Tobin and his descendants occupied Brook House until 1920. Around Tobin's was a favorite route for hikes and road races. And then it was demolished in 1935, so Brookhouse no longer stands. But the story of Margaret Floyer still remains. Hi, this is Shannon, the collections manager at Dartmouth Heritage Museum. That the, the story of Margaret Floyer is so interesting to me. The fact that, um, honestly, when you got into the more of the details of like she would be reading or just tending to her garden, she would seem to be living a great life just on her own or with her uh, fellow lodger and just sort of having a very quiet life. But I think it also reflects on how closely knit the communities were back then, where it would be seen as very strange to not be more involved instead of just sort of being to the side and in your own space. I just find that kind of interesting how 
you know, for a lot of people who identify as being introverted, they're like, wow, Margaret Floyer, she had her life figured out and she was just living in this lovely home and, you know, just enjoying life in a very quiet way. But it would be nice to know, like, more if we ever found, like, if she kept a diary or anything like that. Wouldn't history be so much easier if someone kept a diary? Yes. (laughs) All of our history mysteries may end up with a little bit of answers to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, From one perspective, anyway. Yeah. Or even a point that out corresponds between herself and her brother like once he yes. left to jamaica like i guess we assume he stayed there he wasn't stationed anywhere else right and i couldn't really find out what happened to mm-hmm. her brother william um i kind of speculate that he probably died before margaret did because he's not listed as one of the family members who had any correspondence it was basically her oldest brother uh who kind of handled things on that end and A lot of speculation, of course, as to why she came to Dartmouth in the first place. Mm -hmm. Was she exiled by her family? Who really knows? She was still given a pension to live. So that's a bit curious. If she had done something so terrible back in England, she likely would have been disinherited and just sent off to live her life. Um, But instead, she was, as they claim in, in finger quotes, exiled uh, to one of the colonies, basically, to mm-hmm. to Nova Scotia and sent to live the rest of her life there. And maybe her brother William was sent there to get her set up, uh, make sure she was taken care of. And then, of course, barely two years later, he would go off, too. Mm-hmm. It's also not known exactly when she showed up in yeah. Dartmouth. That's a bit curious. I saw one source that said as early as 1780. But we know for a fact she was living there at least in about 1790. Yeah. And I guess we don't know, like, what her age was at the time. Yeah, that's another area of speculation. Her tombstone, I think it states a certain age, but uh, it's about 10 years off of what other people thought. So. Her her age is another curiosity, aside from her marital status. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, people love to speculate about a lady who lives by herself they, in, a, they sure do. in a country cottage. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the story of Margaret Floyer, another interesting Dartmouth area mystery. Uh, tune in next time to hear some more stories about Dartmouth's history. And once again, thank you from Shannon and I.